In a world where fans are forever restless, the rules are ever-changing, and you have to be told just how much your favorite team blows to rise above the rest. Welcome to the Couch Coaches with your hosts, Lacey Kay and Drew Hale. weekend of the playoffs done and i would say at least if you're me it went pretty much as i expected now i know for the rest <laughs> of you that's not exactly maybe what you expected which is fine but that's that's because why that's why you listen to me and listen to us because we know better welcome to the couch coaches this as always is your favorite football podcast i am Lacey k with my co-host drew hale what's going on yo 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 and our residency worry work. Rachel, how are you tonight? I'm good. I know you're stressing out a little bit over there. You, It's kind of balanced out because you got a calming calming shower and then you're stressing out about your little one. So, yeah. It's always how it goes. Yeah. But, by the way, guys, just so just so everybody knows, it's like nothing catastrophic. He's stressing about a little one. Little one is fine. She has a her first cavity. Aww. Self-diagnosed. <laughs> So self-diagnosed. I really hope, just for your sake, Rach, that tomorrow, like she's eating something, or like you're double checking it, and it's just nothing. Like it's I not know, even a cavity. Me too. It wasn't there yesterday. <laughs> I don't know. I think everything will Deep be alright. It's okay. <sighs> we'll get through this together. I'm a worry wart. It's okay. We're all gonna worry because you know what? It's going into the divisional round. Um, oh, <laughs> perfect segue. Loved it. Um. <clears throat> so no. All right. So let's get the show rolling. Do you, I'm super ready to roll. Okay, so last week, all right, we had the wild card round, and we made our predictions, and I kind of want to go over that and then talk about the game. So first up was what game? Colts. There you go. Colts at Indy. Uh, uh, All right, Colts at Indy. Colts at Houston. Okay, which was probably the not as. I thought you were being facetious, and then I know you're actually waiting for an answer. So I was like looking at my phone, like what's that? The game was probably out of all of them the one. Score-wise, I wasn't expecting the most. 21-7, Indy won. You and me both picked Indy. Uh, to be clear, I made it before the game. Even though I was picking Indy, I was rooting for Houston. Um, but no, like, Indy seemed like they just handled that game. You know what I mean? Early on, driving down the field, quick or methodical, didn't matter. Houston couldn't stop them, which I didn't think they could because that O-line is a huge different maker for the Indy team. The trenches in general, they controlled that whole game. Offense line, defense line, period. They won the matchups. Um, and that was really the point because because up until second half, I mean, the, Houston couldn't put up points. You know what I mean? And, you know, there was just a lot of missed passes by Deshaun Watson and just like not just inopportune play calling. On the Houston sideline, the defense was rushing Andrew Luck a bunch, but couldn't actually get to him mm-hmm. for anything that mattered between that offensive line and how quick Andrew Luck was getting the ball out. T.Y. Hilton had a really good game, but there was no real standout performances. I mean, Luck threw for 222 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. That was probably the best performance outside of Marlon Mack, but a lot of his yards came in garbage time. Like, he went over 100 yards... And then finished with 148 in the last, like, couple minutes of the game. Um, so, I mean, there was no standard performances. It was just a great team win for Indy. Yeah. I, I can't say I imagined. I mean, listen, it wasn't a blowout. By no, but, 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 a, but, a, but a blowout. 
But, uh, you know, listen, a, a, a blowout-esque in, in, in playoff standards, you know, to what you want to see in a playoff game, I especially, a, div- especially it, yeah. a divisional playoff game, I mean, let's talk about it, right? I mean, there's two teams in their division. They meet each other a lot. You expect close games when you play a division opponent, especially when you play them at the level that they're playing them, obviously, in the wild card round of the playoffs. I, I think that... While I love what Luck did, and again, Luck just still cementing himself as just a magician, right? Mac obviously had a better performance, all things considered. You know, but I think what happened really was the Texans just played abysmal, abysmal situational defense. I mean, it was just awful. Like, they didn't know, like, the, the Texans, first of all, their defense could not get off the field. Secondly, the issue was, like, they just didn't know when to stop. I mean, I don't know what the stats were, but I think if you look at it, right, they probably blitzed Andrew Luck literally 35% of the downs. I mean, it, it was incredible, 35%, 40%. And they weren't touching him. Like, nothing was happening. So then they couldn't, they, they did not realize, like, they couldn't audible to drop into coverage. Like, they couldn't, they couldn't go then and then cover receivers. When they tried to, they had some success. But then Mac had success running the ball. Like they just didn't have an answer for anything. I mean, listen, their offensive line dominated the line of scrimmage. There's no question, right? But when you have a running back like Marlon Mack, okay, if I'm the defensive coordinator for Houston, I'm letting them try and beat me on the ground, okay? I don't know that I'm rushing him. I don't know what the percentage of the plays was, but it seemed like every down, like it seemed like they were blitzing Andrew Luck a lot and they were bringing a lot of pressure and they came at him with different looks. Just nothing was getting through. They couldn't disrupt him. They couldn't make him feel uncomfortable in the pocket. So he sat back and he did some good things. Uh, he obviously didn't have his best game ever, right? But he didn't have an atrocious he didn't game. Need to. But he didn't need to. Exactly. They didn't need to score a lot of points in this game. They, they were going up against a decent defense coming into this game, right, in Houston, a middle-of-the-pack defense. And, you know, now when you look at it, you've got Mack that built momentum in that game. Yeah, I mean, he didn't, you know, he didn't do a lot on the ground when it, well, I mean, he did do a lot on the ground when it really mattered. I mean, he picked up a ton of key first downs. I mean, he had, he had good situational runs. He had runs that really mattered to put in his team in a position to, to put up points. I think that when you look at their upcoming matchup, and I know we'll get to that, but when you look at it, right, you go up against the worst-ranked defense in football in Kansas City. I mean, woo. I just don't know what's going to happen. Like, I don't know how they're going to possibly have an answer for something that Houston just couldn't figure out. Uh, so, I mean, we'll see what happens. But at any rate, a really good game for the Colts, a, a game they needed to solidify themselves as a contender in these playoffs. Uh, but I mean, Houston, how disappointed are you if, if you're Houston right now? I mean, wow. I mean, it's, it's just the Colts did the important things that they needed to, you know what I mean? Their offensive line neutered the Houston defensive line because that was the neutered. best part I of like their it. defense and they just neutralized them, right? They took away what they were known for on that side of the ball. Then you flip to the other side. Okay. And the only real playmaker outside of the quarterback and Deshaun Watson is DeAndre Hopkins. So what did they do? They played very good defense, took extra coverage to minimize his effort. Hopkins had a couple catches for middle-of-the-road yards. He didn't do anything. You know what I mean? And Watson at the end tried to do stuff, but he was under pressure so much of the day, even if they weren't getting to him, that he was missing on a lot of his passes. Kiki Kute had a great game. Yeah, over 100 back. yards. Yeah, crazy. He came back, had a great game, but it was a bunch of middle-of-the-way routes and underneath things for the most part that it added up 
but it didn't get them anywhere in the long run. So <clears throat> you know what they couldn't do though? This is what's so crazy from a Houston perspective, okay? Houston's leading rusher was Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson rushed for more than double the rushing yards of every other running back on their team combined. Over double of everyone else combined. Lamar Miller had five touches all game. Five touches. How yeah. do you give Lamar Miller five touches? Like, that's insane to me. I, I want to revisit something here. From what I said last episode, I said if they get beat in an unspectacular way, do you start at least considering the idea of Houston possibly replacing Bill O'Brien? Not would you definitely do it, but now now that the game has ended in you know hindsight's twenty twenty, after I said it, are you at least like if there was someone out there that you wanted, would you consider it? You know, I think after the play calling that happened in the Houston game, I think I'm more inclined to think about that. I mean, you're in a huge game. Again, Lamar Miller gets five touches. Now, that being said, right, he had some great, great work out of the backfield, okay? You know, he caught like, I don't know, like six or eight passes or something like that out of the backfield, right? But like, you don't need to find your running back in the flat when the idea is to neutralize pressure and to keep a defense honest. You can't keep a defense honest by running your quarterback for 80 yards, you can't do that. Like, that can't be part of your game plan. You cannot live on read option and these play-action passes. And by the way, you're an abysmal read option team. Like, you can't run it, so just fucking stop, right? And because the issue is, like, no one doesn't account for Watson because they just don't have enough of a threat in Lamar Miller or Blue. Like, it just doesn't matter. So you go and you resort to having your running backs run out of the flat. Both running backs caught more passes than they received touches in the running game. And it seemed like Deshaun Watson was in distress all game. I was going to say, you bring up the <clears throat> the point about the running backs and the touches, but, you know, on offense, for most of the game, even if they weren't getting to him, they were pressuring him. And I know it's a bad line, but, Jesus, it's the playoffs. Do something to, you know, obstruct that. Make it harder for the defense to get to him. Give him more time so maybe Hopkins can get open and you can make a play. You know what I mean? And on the defensive side of the ball, like you said, it seemed like they were blitzing a lot, yet they weren't getting to him. But they weren't trying anything new to disrupt that in the offense so as much as i know deshaun watson loves bill o'brien okay and he he's loyal to him he wouldn't want to see him go anywhere if you're the front office i think it's something you at least got to consider by seeing what else is out there yeah i mean listen i, I think there's a lot of head coaching candidates out there even right if it's now. internal like i don't know if they have any assistant <coughs> coaches or whatever that they feel good about confident about but at least that way if there is then consider it because at least ho- you know, Deshaun Watson will be more comfortable with them than an outside source, and mm. you know what I mean. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. You're absolutely not wrong. I think I think that's the problem, though. I mean, you you to a point, you've got a system that Deshaun Watson is. <clears throat> see, that's the, that's the tough part, though. Like he's seen some success in this system. So to your point, I don't know that you want to revamp the offense necessarily because he's seen success. But you definitely need better play calling on both sides of the ball, frankly. I mean, you really do. You cannot let the Indianapolis Colts, a divisional opponent, come into your house and beat you 21-7. Like, in the playoffs. You just can't have that happen. And again, 100% based on absolutely abysmal play calling. Like, I don't know. Just crazy to me. So, that was the first game. (laughs) Took way too much time on the first game, I guess. But Jesus Christ, that fucking game pissed me off. Second game, Seattle at Dallas. What'd you think? Uh, really good game. I mean, all things considered, really, really good game. I, the problem is it wasn't good enough until the fourth quarter, right? I mean, it was a good fourth quarter game. Um, 
we all knew it would come down to the running game, right? We talked about that in the last episode, right? The running game, you know, Carson versus Elliott is going to be it. You know, I said before, Carson didn't need to have as good of a game as Elliott needed to have, but it needed to be close enough, right? And, and frankly, it just wasn't. I mean, Ezekiel Elliott, like, like you would think, right? Like you would assume, went off. I mean, humongous piece of the productivity of that offense. Uh, you know, Elliott just went crazy. Uh, Penny and Carson just didn't. Uh, I mean, they did like nothing. I think Carson had like 15 yards. Uh, you know, like it, it was just so bad. It was so bad. They tried though. They tried. They tried to stick with the running game, but he just was getting nothing. And that's Dallas. You know, have they got a fifth ranked, you know, the top five in rushing defense this year? They really showed it this game. Um, I don't think Dak Prescott necessarily out-quarterbacked Russell Wilson. I don't think that happened. I don't know that there's a clear winner, frankly. I think they both played okay games. Um, Seattle's defense was good in some situations, and then, you know, kind of felt like they'd really dropped the ball in some too. Uh, so, I don't know. Overall, though, good game. I'm not super upset with Dallas winning. I, I really didn't think that Dallas was going to be able to come in and compete against anybody because I just didn't see consistency from Dak Prescott. And frankly, I'm just going to be honest with you, I don't trust I don't trust Jason Garrett's play calling. So that scared the fuck out of me to begin with. And then combined with Dak Prescott's inconsistencies, you know, I, I just didn't see this being a favorable matchup for them at all. But uh, they were able to pull out a W, so that's all that matters. Well, it was insane because <clears throat> out of all the matchups, I thought these two were the two teams going at each other that were the most similar. You know, both are running teams. Absolutely. Both play good defense. Both don't ask the quarterbacks to do a lot. You know what I mean? Only difference, Seattle had the experience, but Dallas was at home. And honestly, like, it wasn't a blowout either way, but they scored, I mean, when when Seattle scored to go and get 22 points, because it was, it was 24-16, okay, Dallas was playing a shell of a defense, which I didn't like. Because there was still plenty of time. You're facing Russell Wilson, an experienced quarterback and stuff like that, and Pete Carroll. They played a shell defense, just let them eat up the yards at the end of the game, and they made it closer, but it wasn't that close as the score ended. Sure. But we talked about it before. We talked about it a couple weeks ago that it, the similarity between the top rushing teams was that you got a quarterback that could rush too. Seattle was number one in rushing offense going into this game in the playoffs. Okay, between Wilson, Carson, Penny, Mike Davis... They were the best rushing team in football, and they did it a lot by amounts of carries. Not necessarily, you know, all this great rush per yard average, just crazy amounts of yardage, and they were solid. They were successful. But like you said, Carson didn't have that great of a game. He had 20 yards, not 15. But he had 13 carries for 20 yards. He, they couldn't, he couldn't do anything against that Dallas defense. Rashad Penny had four carries for 29 yards. Russell Wilson had three carries for 14 yards. So between the three of them and Mike Davis, who we were just talking about, they had a grand total of 73 yards rushing against that Dallas defense. So they couldn't rush, which was their strength. Um, they did hit one or two big plays, which helped them put up points. But the Dallas didn't really give up any huge plays until the shell defense at the end because they only gave up 16 points. Um and then on the on the flip side, Zeke was successful. Did you know that this season, uh, Bobby Widener did not have a missed tackle at all until this playoff game when he, Dak made him miss and Zeke made him miss, I believe, too. But it, 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 that's what I mean. Bobby Widener didn't have a missed tackle all season until this playoff game. So, I mean, as much as that's a testament to Bobby Widener, but we don't need to tell you that, like, <clears throat> it's, what, like it's like what I said before. Dak isn't necessarily my favorite quarterback. 
He doesn't do a lot of things I wish he could do, but his intangibles and how clutch he is is what endears him to his team and his teammates and what you see on a consistent basis. And that was proven on that third and 14 when he made Wagner miss and they needed to get points. And then, of course, you know, the famous flip that happened and, you know, he landed at the one and whatever, and then he took it in the next play. So there was just clutch plays on the offense, clutch plays by the Dallas defense that just really negated what Seattle was able to do. And Seattle looks good in the upcoming years for still being able to contend in the playoffs, but Dallas had the better game this time, and I knew it was going to be close. They're very similar teams, and, you know, it looks good for Dallas as well because Dallas is the one of the top youngest teams in the league, like top three youngest or top five youngest teams in the league. So it looks good for both of them going forward. Dallas won this time. They always play close. Good for Dallas, I think. Yeah. Not to mention, I got to throw Cooper. <coughs> Cooper had seven catches for 106 yards, but, you know, it, it, it varies well. Um, next game, Chargers at the Ravens. Um, Chargers at the Ravens went about... See, I can't even say one about as I expected. The Chargers at the Ravens, Chargers won, which we both picked. Um, but they went up early, a lot by field goals. Played great defense, which I knew... LA had a good defense, but they were out playing Baltimore's defense. Lamar Jackson couldn't do anything up until the last five minutes of the game. I mean, the game ended up closer than you would have thought. Like, there's a good chance that if you were watching that game, especially towards the end, you seen that Baltimore wasn't doing anything on offense. You turned off the game because you had something better to do. And then in the last five minutes, it ended up by the end of the game, it was a one-score game. You know what I mean? It finished twenty-four seventeen, um, but I mean, and it showed Lamar Jackson really came on at the end, made plays for his teams when no one else would, or would, but could. Um, but it was just way too little, too late. Um, I, I don't know. This game was what I expected, but not at the same time. I don't really know how you feel about it. You know, <clears throat> I think I'm, I'm surprised that the Ravens had a chance to win that game. <clears throat> well, yeah, because at the really, end yeah. they had a chance to win it prior to Lamar Miller's, you know, obviously him being a rookie quarterback Lamar or, or Lamar Jackson, Lamar Miller, fucking Christ, I'm still, I'm still pissed off about the goddamn Texans. Anyway, so Lamar Jackson, obviously, and you know him being a rookie, making poor decisions at the football at the end of the game, uh, obviously. But anyway, <clears throat> here's what's crazy. I, I think that I don't think the Chargers defense outplayed the Ravens defense. I think the Ravens defense still outplayed the Chargers defense. Really, to some degree, if you look at it, Philip Rivers, no touchdowns. They won. The, they had made 15 points on field goals. They made six field goals attempts. I don't think they've made six field goals attempts in any single game all season long. So the Chargers to make six field goals attempts tells you obviously they were held to some yardage, right? They just couldn't push it in. Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers had a good game because Philip Rivers isn't known for making a lot of mistakes with the football, oh, yeah. right? So he had a good game there. Um, the only offensive touchdown that was scored was Melvin Gordon. But again, when you look at Melvin Gordon, who I would consider an elite running back, he only he had 17 carries for 40 yards. He only averaged 2.4 yards a carry. So that Baltimore defense really, really held them. When you look at the Ravens, okay, the Chargers defense gave up, I don't know, 75 yards on the ground. They gave up 200 yards and two touchdowns to Lamar Jackson, okay? Yeah, they picked him off once, which was great, but they let Lamar Jackson throw for 200 yards and two touchdowns. The Ravens' defense didn't allow the Chargers to do that. Yeah, but the Chargers' defense also got seven sacks on Lamar, ja- on Lamar, ja- on Lamar Jackson and two forced fumble recoveries on top of that pick. 
okay, yeah, I'm, I'm, okay, that's fine. But they got two forced fumble recoveries, right? On Again, I don't feel like – okay, you can't credit – I am not saying the Chargers don't have a great defense. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm just, I just don't think they out-defense the Ravens in that game. Because remember, if you're looking at it, okay. So yeah, the Chargers had a good game against Lamar Jackson, who you would expect them to have a good game against. He holds the ball too long. Everybody knows that. So I didn't anticipate him to not hold the ball too long this game, which resulted in the forced fumbles. He had a pick because he doesn't make great decisions, and he's not a good pocket passer. No one that's not a surprise to anybody. They had an interception. You know who else had an interception against Lamar Jackson? Almost every team he's played this entire year. So, like, I'm not wildly impressed by either of those things. Yeah, they hit him a lot. Again, he holds onto the ball too much. You know who else hit him a lot? Every fucking team he's played so far. Like, I'm just not shocked by that. Yeah, I'm not saying that the Chargers <clears throat> have the better defense. I'm saying they played the better game. Because the points that they allowed came in garbage time when they got too relaxed and they let Lamar Jackson actually run. All right, and yeah, Lamar Jackson holds the ball too long. Not arguing that. He's not the greatest pocket passer. Not arguing that. But the fact is, they still got seven sacks compared to Baltimore's two, three, and three turnovers compared to Baltimore's one. So yeah, Baltimore, I'm not arguing their talent and that they still didn't do a good job, but they got outplayed by the opposing defense, I think, in that game. Uh, Yeah, again, we'll agree to disagree. I I simply think... The, I think the Baltimore Ravens still played the better defense in that game, for sure. All things considered, because again, you don't think Phillip Rivers is coming into that game and not throwing a touchdown. Like, you really do not. Th- you don't think the San Diego Chargers, here's what's crazy. The San Diego Chargers, for the first time, LA Chargers, sorry. For the first time this year, kicked six field goals. That is astounding to any team that has watched the Chargers, any person that's watched the Chargers all year long play. Okay, crazy to me. But... What happened on the Ravens' side of the ball? Yeah, forced fumbles? Cool. An interception by Lamar Jackson. Like, nobody's shocked by this. They're all like, yeah, sounds like Lamar Jackson playing football. I don't know what the fuck he expected. Like, nobody's wildly shocked. But I feel like people are shocked at the lack of offensive productivity. Because, again, remember, Melvin Gordon, elite running back. Top top six. Easy. Okay? <clears throat> Goes in, 2.4 yards of carry. Phillip Rivers, top six. Easy. Goes in, no touchdowns. Eh, I don't know. I think the Ravens played the better defensive game. I just don't see it because I'm not surprised by that. I know offense on the Chargers could do more, but, I mean, Baltimore's defense was number one for a reason because they consistently, no matter who they face, really minimize what they're able to do on the field. I mean, you say that, but in a must-win game, they let the Browns score 24 points. So, yeah, I mean... Yeah, who can, can, who can contain Baker Swag? Baker had more yards and more touchdowns. He also threw three picks. So he, I mean, but he's a rookie quarterback, right? That, that's, I get it. But like, he had better productivity, one would say, minus the interceptions, right? Than Phillip Rivers did against the same Baltimore defense. And that was a defense in the same situation. Must win, hyper competitive game. Like, I'm just, again, I'm not, and this was just last week, right? I'm not talking like 10 years ago. So I don't know. We'll agree to disagree. Agree to disagree. <clears throat> Final game. Probably the most one you want to talk about the most. Eagles at Bears. Oh. We've been switching. You get first take. What was it? <coughs> um, yeah. I, Cody Parkey, you piece of shit. No, I'm just kidding. Listen, I, I think that Cody Parkey's under enough pressure, uh, who, by the way, that's the uh, that's the Bears kicker, um, is under enough pressure by everyone else in the world that he doesn't need it from me, so, like, whatever. Um, but, again, I, I'm going to go ahead and say it right now. 
I love the gameplay by the Eagles, and it was wet, it was swell and all. <laughs> but, swell. But the Eagles did not win that game. The Chicago Bears lost that game. That's what happens. And there's a difference in football, okay? The Bears handed that game on a silver platter, okay? The Pottsville Crimson Tide could have potentially beat the Chicago Bears that game. I mean, like, listen, I'm not deminimizing Eagles, and I know we're in Eagles country and everything, but if you look at it, right, Mitch Trubisky out-quarterbacked Nick Foles significantly. No question, okay? They had the better running game. I mean, all things considered. Both running games were fucking awful, but, you know, at, at any rate, the Bears had the better running game. The Bears' defense did not show up. The Bears' defense was bo- were, were borderline non-existent that game, okay? And again, this is, again, coming from a Bears team. They kicked a lot, you know, uh, C- Cody Parkey put up nine points that game. He went three for four. That was more points than the entire Chicago Bears offense did. You know, they, couldn't, they, they got a better running game, but they still couldn't get it established. The only person I felt like was on the field was Allen Robinson. I mean, there was literally no one else on the field, I felt like. Like, it was crazy. He caught, like... What, what, 150 yards? I mean, I don't know. I fucking got the numbers here somewhere. But 10 like, catches, 143 yards a touchdown. Yeah, 143 yards. Like, that's insanity. But, like, nobody else really did anything. There was no one else under over 40, 50 yards. You know, but, 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 Mitch Trubisky threw for th- over 300. So, like, I, I don't know. I just, I, I'm not, I'm not seeing it. Chicago, and this is, uh, you know, Matt Nagy. Uh, you know, this is, Matt Nagy choked, bro. He choked. You know what? I'm not really surprised because he comes from the Andy Reid lineage, um, but he choked in a big game. <clears throat> Matt Nagy choked it up in a big game, just like uh, just like Big Papa Andy Reid, and uh, that's just what it is. That's exactly what happened. That's Cousin, exactly I, what happened. I know you can't see me while listening to this, but I just did one of the hardest eye rolls of my life. Um, Dude, he's trash. Because, trash. all right, you know, we. I have no problem eating crow. I don't get to do it often. All right, so I'll gladly do it here. Neither one of us picked the Eagles. Granted, I thought it'd be a closer game. I give the Eagles a better chance, but I still picked against them. Sure. All right, hundred percent. I knew it would be a good game. It's what I was talking about the last couple weeks of the season. I was waiting, even at the midpoint part of the season. I still was picking the Eagles to win the division because they're the kind of team that they start late, they get going, then they're hard to beat. The problem is they waited till the last two, three weeks of the regular season before they actually started to play. Barely got into the playoffs, but it still means that they could be dangerous. And granted, I still pick the Bears, okay? But I don't know if you could really say Mitch definitely played the better game. Yes, he had more yards by 37. He had 37 okay. more yards. But sure. the completion percentages were near identical. Agreed. Okay. Mitch had one touchdown. Uh-huh. No turnovers. Correct. Solid. Nothing spectacular. <laughs> Nick Foles who I do not want to hear from Eagle fans is the reason they won this game. I don't care whether he has magic or not, like I'm hearing, okay? Big dick, it, Nick. It's just the fact that he he went for 266 yards, two touchdowns, but he also threw two picks, okay? And that's, granted, the only thing the Bears defense was able to do to the Eagles because, like you said, they, they didn't show up otherwise. Khalil Mack had five tackles. Yeah, Khalil Mack fucking who? Like, that Leonard was crazy. Floyd had a sack, but then only two tackles. You know what I mean? Roquan Smith, the rookie, had the best defensive game for that whole team. Oh, yeah. All right? Seven pick. tackles, a pick, and a sack? I don't think he had a sack. Oh. But whatever. Still, I mean, he still had a good game. He might have had an assist or something. It, it was just, 
the defense didn't show up. Not saying they played bad, but they did not play up to the potential that everyone's been bragging about for most of the season. Agreed. And then, like you said, Cody Parkey scored more points in the offense. Granted, does he have to make that clutch kick? Yes, that's what you pay him for. Yeah, absolutely. But, 100% agree. But when your kicker's putting up more points in your offense, I don't want to hear just about the kicker. Okay. Plus, that kick was tipped. I've seen replays. Yeah. I've seen a great view from the sideline. Uh, the one lady was reporting off the sideline, was recording it, and you could see as soon as it hits one point after he kicks it, it goes straight up. Yep, the trajectory so, all changed. Yep, no the doubt. trajectory changed dramatically, and you could see it was tipped. And it still went, as people are having fun calling it, double doink. Okay. Now, granted, I know he's been doing that a lot this season, so you're like typical Parky, but, you know, I can't. Sure, he didn't make it, whatever, say it if you want, but there was way many more factors that, you know, attribute it to the Bears losing that game than Cody Parkey. You know what I mean? I agree. And I'm not going to sit here and say the Bears lost it. I'm not going to say the Eagles won it. The Bears were the overall better team, but the Eagles' defense way outplayed the Bears' defense. They came to play. They're the reason it was close to begin with. Nick Foles had... A great play with Golden Tate on fourth and goal to take the lead. And then, yes, the Bears had a chance to win at the end and shit to bed. So, sorry, Bears fans. We expect it more from you. I know you should be happy just winning the division this year. Um, but you you had high hopes. Didn't work out. Eagles experience got you there. And now it's not looking so good for the Saints. And we'll get that to a little bit later on. We'll see who picks who. But it was it's not looking good for the Saints. Um but it was an interesting first matchup. Rachel, I have to say, what was your favorite part about Wild Card Weekend? Gee, I don't know. <laughs> There's just way too much. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just... <laughs> did you have ice cream this weekend? <coughs> no. What did you do this weekend? Worked. Oh, we had a sleepover with the girls. Yeah. Was that your favorite part about Wild Card Weekend? Yes. Okay, there you go. Mm-hmm. Good. Face masks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, so really quick, just last thing on this yeah. game. Okay, just last thing on this game, which, again, is, is just a reason why the Bears lost the game. 100% the Eagles didn't win. From every literal point in the entire game, when you look at everything, so kick returns, the Eagles averaged, I don't know, 17 and a half yards per kick return, well under the league standard. Punt returns, negative one yard. Uh, punting, their punter got the, got the Bears inside the 20 once, okay? Look at the Bears' side of the ball. And this is all aspects, right? Cody Parkey, aside from that, you know, obviously scored a lot more points. Kick returns, they probably averaged, I'm looking at a couple different kick returners here, they probably averaged a little over 20 yards a return, uh, probably about 25 yards a return, about the league average, okay? Punting, O'Donnell, Got the Eagles inside their 20 four times. And the Bears defense couldn't do anything. Like, it's just, it's insane to me how much on paper the Bears had the better game. And like, you would never, ever, ever think the Eagles won that game. So here's what I'm saying right now. I'm not waiting for predictions. Eagles fan, you better ride this fucking win like it's your last one because it will be. Because you're going to go into fucking New Orleans and you are going to get fucking slaughtered. Like the dirty fucking rotten pig you are. Big Nick Dick is getting castrated. Okay, that motherfucker is going down this week in New Orleans. I know you like creating controversy. I just find it funny that my team is no, in the, I don't. Is in the I sa- do not like creating is in the same division. I have every reason to give the Eagles the hardest time, and I'm here 
set, you know, supporting the Eagles more than someone who is outside of the division and whatever. Um, but we'll, yeah, we'll see. You, you feel pretty confident. That's probably the matchup I feel least confident in picking is the Eagles and the Saints. We'll see when that time comes. I do want to say one thing, though, going back to the Ravens-Chargers game. There was a lot of people saying about, you know, Flacco should maybe come in because Lamar Jackson wasn't getting anything done. Not saying Joe Flacco would have, but change it up and maybe you spark something for that offense and they come to win the game. Mm. The announcers were talking about it. Tony Romo was talking about it. <laughs> Fans were calling for it. And I, I want to say this. Jimmy Smith, <coughs> defensive back for the Ravens, told fans that if they're not going to support their team by supporting Lamar Jackson, then they're not real fans and stuff like that. And I take exception to this. I don't know if you heard this or how you feel about it, Drew. But listen, we all rep teams, okay? Yes, we all have players we like from our own team or other teams. We all have players we don't like from our, our own teams or other teams, period. But we rep our teams no matter what. There's players in the Cowboys I like, and dislike, and there's plenty of players on other teams that I like, dislike, but if I'm there supporting my team in and out and say Jason Garrett is pissing me off because he's just making bad calls and I'm there at the game and I'm shitting on Jason Garrett, listen, you, Jimmy Smith, you did the right thing as his teammate. As a player, you supported your quarterback, you stood up for him, but don't you dare tell me as a fan that I'm not a real fan just because I don't agree with what's best for my team. Okay, I take very much exception to that. Maybe you didn't mean it that way. Maybe you did. I don't really give a fuck. But I, I have a problem with that, and I don't know how you feel about it one way or another, but it annoys the shit out of me. Uh, I'm, I feel offended because you just used the F word. Whoa. And that is like, like the first time and I've am, ever I don't understand. That. And you what? said you used the F word about a, a, def, a, a, a Baltimore Ravens, uh, like, what, what are you talking about, an offensive lineman or something? Like, He's a DB, cornerback. Okay, yeah, cool. So, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't even know how this even happened, but you dropped the F bomb and I'm so offended. I'm just kidding. So, yeah, uh, I, I, I didn't see the comment, um, but I will say that I agree with you that it's pup. Um, <clears throat> yeah, fans have a right to feel whatever way they want to feel. Guess what? At the end of the day, they're buying the tickets to sit in the seats. You like, know what I'm saying? So who fucking cares? It's just like a passionate thing, like I said before. Like He did the right thing defending his teammate. Defend your quarterback, defend your teammate, but don't call a fan... So you think fan, he went one step too but, far. Yeah, but don't call a fan out saying that he's not a real fan or supporting his team because he disagrees on what's best for his team. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's just... yeah. And, you know, I take exception to that. Listen, each to their own, but don't call out the fans. All right, I'm ready to move on. You ready to move on some to some news? Oh, I'm super ready. All right. what are, what are, uh, let's let's just start with the big news. All right, coaching. Oh, the, the biggest coaching. News. Oh yeah. The coaches. Oh, the coaches. Okay, first the real ones. First, not the couch kind. First difference made. Okay, Packers surprisingly got their coach first, Woo-hoo. and it was not who we anticipated. Not that he's a bad coach or anything. Sure. Just sure. wasn't one of the big sure. name ones. It's your team. Tell us about it. So, the Packers pick up Titans offensive coordinator Matt Lafleur, and I feel I feel good about it. I feel better about it the more I'm hearing about it, the more I'm looking into it, the more that I'm reading. Um, because again, I didn't even have him in my top five. Like I didn't have him in my top five breakdown of potential Packers I don't think head I have coaches. Him in my top fifteen. I know, seriously, right? It's crazy. It's the only interview that he had scheduled, uh, which is crazy. <clears throat> and this again is just an example of teams trying to shake up. 
uh, you know, a little bit of that Sean McVay tree. You know what I mean? They're trying to find people in that lineage. Um, you know, to, to kind of come and help out. Obviously, he was the offensive coordinator uh, last year in L.A. and then, you know, comes and, uh, you know, now, of course, was the offensive coordinator for Tennessee. But, you know, interesting, right? Younger head coach, <clears throat> very similar situation uh, when they got Mike McCarthy. You know, Mike McCarthy was a one-year offensive coordinator. Uh, obviously, Packers bring him in as a head coach. Uh, now we're here. I just, uh, with LaFleur, I I'm very interested. A lot of people feel like he's there, you know, for his ability to challenge Aaron Rodgers intellectually. A lot of people said that they have played for him or worked for him, that he's always, you know, the most brilliant offensive mind in the room. He's a, a hyper workhorse. The guy just works, works, works day and night. Uh, you know, he says he does it because there's never going to be an offensive question that a player can ask him that he doesn't have an answer for uh, when it comes to schemes. So, you know, he, he, he aims to be the brightest person in the room. He's a workaholic. Uh, he really gives his all to the game. And they feel like it's going to be a good mesh uh, to a workaholic quarterback who's hyper-competitive, having the will to win. And obviously his football IQ is, 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 is insanely high. You know, them trying to bring in someone that can match him, uh, not only intellectually, obviously, but, you know, in his ability to play and perform form and, and schematically and see what they can do to mix it up see so i'm super excited about it. my biggest question in that whole thing is him not being as well known as that now it's different when you play in the league you know what i mean you know people that we really don't know about you know what to expect from players and coaches and stuff like that but my question is do you think you can come in there and not have it be a situation where aaron is like i don't have to listen to you i don't agree with what you're calling i'm going to change the plays on the field like he did a lot of the times there and Green Bay, and like there's going to be that cohesive, one singular mind working together to get this done, or is it going to be like LaFleur is going to come in, wants to do things a certain way, expects Aaron to like join in and work together, and Aaron's like, nah, I, I, do, I disagree, so I'm going to do me. So I, I don't necessarily foresee that, but I feel like what we're going to see is going to be a product of the coaches that he builds around him. Because Aaron the, is a huge the staffy correct. Okay. I think Aaron's a huge Joe Feldman fan. Okay, uh, he said that on multiple occasions, right? Uh, I don't know what's happening with Joe Feldman. I don't know where his future lies as potentially remaining the offensive coordinator for the Green Bay Packers. Okay, so <clears throat> we'll see what happens. Mike Pettin apparently was on the floor's list of people to keep, who's obviously Green Bay's defensive coordinator, but. Uh, Joe Philbin's a coin toss right now, I think. So we'll see what happens there. And I think that's going to be a little bit of a respect factor too. Um, listen, I, I think that it depends on if he can walk the walk. He could definitely talk the talk, right? But, you know, I don't think Aaron's very concerned about what he's saying in the media. I don't think he's very concerned about how smart everybody's saying he is and all of this from LaFleur standpoint. I think he's concerned about what's going to happen in the room. Right? When he's got the room, when he's in front of players, when he's got the audience, when he's drawing up the X's and O's, when he's drawing up these you know, and, and mixing things up schematically on the offense, I think Aaron's going to be a lot – he's going to be able to build a lot more respect with what he shows from now until obviously the beginning of the regular season. And I think that's why they made the decision so quick when they didn't have to. Right, they, The Packers did not have to make the decision quick. LaFleur was flying under the radar. I don't know that he had another interview. I believe that he did not. So they had some time here. But they wanted to nab them. They wanted to make the quick decision because I think they wanted to get some acclimation going on. Let me ask you two quick questions, and you can just give me short answers. One, or did they hire Matt LaFleur as a big-name coach? That way, if it doesn't work out again, they're not Aaron Rodgers or the coach. Oh, it was the coach. We could just get rid of him. I don't think so, no. Okay. Two, how many seasons does he last? Oh, uh, at least four. Really? Mm -hmm. Okay. I 
that kind of surprised me a little bit, but okay, cool. All right, again, yeah, man, it's, it's that uh, it's the lineage, bro. The Sean McVay, Shanahan's that uh, you know has proven nothing. Well, listen, Next we're not talking about the Andy Reid lineage here, okay? Yeah, you know the epic one, <clears throat> the trashy one. Just, just really, just really quick stat on that for the Andy Reid lineage. Uh, so Andy Reid has produced, I don't know, probably 12, 15 head coaches. Uh, the average tenure of those coaches has been uh, two and a half seasons, and all combined, including Andy Reid, all of his coaches in his lineage have two Super Bowls. Uh, the Shanahan lineage, okay, has produced three Super Bowls. Uh, with a much longer tenure of coaches. Just to name a few, Kyle Shanahan, we all know him now in San Francisco, looks like a genius, looking to work nice things, put Matt Ryan to his uh, MVP season. Uh, Matt LaFleur now, Sean McVay, oh, got him! Uh, Which has done nothing, continue. What? The dude's dude's 24 and 8. Okay. Well, I mean, we'll see what happens this season. I'm not dishing Sean McVay, but... He's only had two seasons. So we'll see what happens this year. Um, you know who had one season and won in the Super Bowl? Doug Peterson. Okay, sure. Th- that's the only coach in Andy Reid's lineage with a, Listen, one of if two. If we have time during this episode, I will go and do research while we're doing the episode. Okay, just a couple more coaches right, really quick, right. okay? Gary Kupiak. Piece of shit. Uh, well, Super Bowl champion, but that's Good fine. piece of shit. Uh, five and two in the playoffs. Um, and most notably currently, so again, this remember, he has four Where's current Gary coaches. Where's the head coach of now? Uh, he's actually like the personnel director for the Denver Broncos. Ooh. I mean, he's how many Super Bowls does does really quick? Does Andy Reid have? Andy Reid doesn't have any championships or Super Bowls, right? He's out. He's got zero big fat nothing. He has multiple NFC championships. Has made the Super Bowl. Oh yes, of course. Where he lost to the Patriots, where Deion Branch was the MVP. Anyway, so <clears throat> Gary Kubiak, five and two in the playoffs, Super Bowl champion. Current head coaches: Sean McVay. Some would argue the brightest offensive mind in football. Anthony Lynn, some would argue the second or third brightest I offensive do like mind. Anthony Lynn. So second or third brightest offensive mind in football. Uh, Kyle Shanahan, most would vote third or fourth best offensive mind in football. And now Matt LaFleur, who obviously is being raved about because of his offensive intelligence. So we'll see what happens with the four active head coaches. But keep in mind, of the four active head coaches, two of the four are currently in the playoffs. I just don't get it. I'm not an Eagles fan and I'm I don't like supporting the Eagles. Yeah, I feel like I'm constantly defending former Eagles and shit like that. <laughs> you from are. You. you really are. I don't know why I trash him either. I really have no problem with the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, next coaching hire was the Cards hiring Cliff Kingsbury. Wow. Crazy. Yeah, that was a little bit surprising. I mean, we talked about it when we did the rundown that he was receiving interviews <clears throat> and stuff like that. And he's, I mean, he's a very offensive-minded point scorer in college. And we said that if he went anywhere... It would be with a young quarterback, which he is. He's going to be coaching Josh Rosen. Um, and honestly, everywhere he's been, his quarterbacks have said they loved him. You know what I mean? He's great for them. But that all being said, I'm not saying he's not going to have success. I just don't know because he's going to be a first-time NFL head coach. They're Give, always scary, aren't they? Yeah, and given the keys to a young quarterback who you're putting your future in. And it's not like he had huge success in college. He was a solid coach. He had some of the huge numbers because he ran an air raid at Texas Tech and stuff like that. He was going to be the offensive coordinator for USC, but they wouldn't, they wouldn't let him get NFL head coaching interviews. So he didn't like formally take the spot, gets the spot there, and now he's not going to USC. So, um, but I mean, Mahomes loved him. Mahomes was his quarterback two seasons ago. You know what I mean? So, and Mahomes loved him and talked him up. Sean McVay, your boy, talked him up. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, 
Those are all good signs. I just, I, again, you got to see what coaching staff he gets in there. Who he brings in as his coordinators, who he brings in there as position coaches. You know, we got to see what he does in this offseason. Maybe it's one of those things where he was just an okay college coach and a way better pro coach. We're yet to see. But I'm just not sure yet. I don't know how you feel about the whole situation. I'm very shocked. I'll tell you that. I am super shocked. Because I felt like there was a lot of. You know, I felt like there were a lot of offensive coordinators out there that are NFL offensive coordinators that had like really good shots at a gig like that. Like you know, you've got an offensive coordinator uh, in Tampa Bay who's grabbing some interviews. You know what I mean? Who who who's getting hyped up? You had obviously Lafleur a little bit. You had you know, I just I don't see. Uh, you have a Chargers offensive coordinator getting hyped up. You have uh, Saints assistant coach. You've got so many people that are out there that are in the mix. I I don't know. This was a curveball for me for sure, big time. Um, and then I guess the most breaking news, I, I knew about it a little bit before you, but it's getting finalized now. Uh, the Bucks are hiring Bruce Arians, which is probably my favorite coach hiring so far. Um, he's going to go to the Bucks. I like what he brings. We've seen how he turned around Arizona when they had Carson Palmer and they still had Larry Fitz and, you know, they competed for the playoffs and stuff like that. Um, he retired. He's coming back now for the Bucks. Now, granted, I still don't like the quarterback situation, but he they have talent there. They just drafted a running back last year in Jones. They have Mike Evans. They have O.J. Howard. You know, th- yes? I have a question. Yes. So, where do they get all these coaches from? Like, just in Besides general? Besides the one, like, being retired and coming back. Like- um. Yeah. So it's it's just like a ranks thing. You get high school coaches that work their way up if they're successful to the college ranks. If they're successful there or they come from families of former coaches and stuff like that, they can get in there. It's kind of like any business where you find your foot in the door the yeah. best you can and then production-wise and how they fit your scheme. Yeah, but if they're already a coach for like... So it's like a job. It's like a job. So think of it as a job, right? So like if you get recruited from a recruiter, right, to go to a more advantageous position in a company, you're going to do it in a coach. But I feel like being a football coach is like a a little bit like bigger and like you need like a lot more experience, qualifications, and experience than like keep in mind. It's very rare that a team takes a head coach to be a head coach somewhere else. Like that. That's not how it commonly happens. But I've been like, there's been a lot of. You know, new coaches. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So that's why I'm no like, doubt. where are all these people coming from? Yeah, no, I mean, like you, like we said, Bruce Arians was retired. He was a former coach. Yeah. Okay. That, I, I, yeah Cliff Kingsbury was a college coach. Mildly successful. Um, like, think of it this way. The Cardinals have a young quarterback that they drafted. So they want an offensive-minded coach, which Cliff Kingsbury is known as, um, from the college ranks. And they're both young, so they feel like that'll work. That'll work well with him. And... So they see that as a fit for what they're trying to do. Just like Matt LaFleur in Green Bay, like when Drew was talking, you know, that kind of mind, the same kind of personality that will work well with the quarterback because the quarterback is what drives them. So it's like if you're stubborn, okay? I am. And you need, like... She's like, like, ooh, I like this example. If you don't have someone else who's going to, like, make you see reason you're just gonna walk over the other person you know what i mean if you're with someone weak-minded you're just gonna walk over them neither one of you are gonna be happy there's not gonna be any growth there where if you have someone who's gonna challenge you like even if you don't like it all wow. the time you just 
make each other grow, see each other's points of view, stuff like that. So it's all what fits your scheme mm -hmm. and where they think is the best fit. But they come from college. They, we've had former ones that we thought were retired for good after so many seasons come out. John Gruden, you know what John I mean? Gruden. There's head coaches that have history of experience, <clears throat> get fired because they're on a downward spiral, pick up by a different team, and all of a sudden they're born anew like a phoenix. So I like the question. I love that you asked that. But, yeah, it's just – it's a big pot of jumbo. Like so, Speaking of, since you brought up John Gruden <clears throat> and talked about the Packers in the same sentence, I will say the only good thing – That you Reed want John Gruden for the <clears throat> Packers? No. <laughs> the only good thing Andy Reid has ever done was work for Mike Holmgren. The only good thing he's ever – by the way, if you want to speak about quarterback lineage, Mike Holmgren uh, – you know, actually John Gruden – was a coach in Green Bay. Uh, Why are we still on this? Sorry. Is that, what, that? You, 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 you talked about it. You got Packers. I got a boner. I had to talk about it. That's just what's All up. Right. Sorry. Anyway, back to Bruce Arians. I like the fit overall. There's talent on that offense. Love it. Love you know, it. Yeah, I'm with you. The, Love they, it. They ha I trust Arians to take the best of the talent there and be able to add to it. I don't know how much he's going to turn Winston around. Maybe he makes them a solid not terrible quarterback next season until <laughs> he's able... A solid, not terrible quarterback. Until he's able to get the quarterback he wants... In that, the yeah, next off, it's season. definitely not Jameis Winston. I mean, not he has not, Jameis. He has not had success. No more with eating quarterbacks w's. like him. It's <laughs> not. It's not what's up. Um, I, I don't think that. Uh, I don't think they see instant success. I don't think the Bucks compete for at least two years, probably three. Uh, and Bruce Arians, by the way, number he was the number one coach on my board. <laughs> number one by far. I fucking love Bruce Arians. Um, I don't think he's got really anything to work with though in Tampa Bay. I really, really don't. I mean, he's got a number one reliable receiver in Mike Evans, okay? So there's some similarities there from Arizona when he saw his most success with Larry Fitzgerald, right? He does not really have a number one defender, a number one defending back, okay? He doesn't have it being the secondary that's really a number one guy, which he was blessed with in Arizona. He had a couple, you know what I mean? He had the Honey Badger for a little while, he had Patrick Peterson. I mean, he had real weapons in that defense. Uh, he had a really good front seven. They've got an... They've got an abysmal front seven in Tampa Bay outside of Levante David. So I just – it's going to be a huge change for him. I'm kind of shocked he, shocked he took it, to be honest with you. Because I, I, if he doesn't win here and turn it around a little bit, I think it hurts his legacy. Um, so I'm a little shocked that he took it. But I – but I listen, I love Bruce Arians anywhere he goes. I just don't think it was a great decision for him. Well, I mean, they just got JPP. JPP, was it? Or was it Justin Tuck? I always get the two confused. We're, we do this all the time. They got a really aged defender that's mediocre That was formerly from and, the Giants. And may or may not have all of his fingers. Vita Vea came on towards the end of the season after people were trashing him. They have Levante David, like you said. Yeah, there's no one really in the secondary. I like Justin Evans. Whether he's a playmaker there, he might just be a solid player, but it's a, it's a piece. I trust Arians to build that, though. Um... My question is, now out of the five coaching vacancies still open, if no more open, what's the most interesting, you think? Which, speaking of which, before you answer that, Mike McCarthy has now come out and said that the only job he's interested in now is the Jets. And that's it. So, he's going to the Jets. You think he's going to the of Jets? Of course he's going to the Jets. The Jets have stupid money to spend. And I know, like, coaching doesn't necessarily go in there. But do the Jets want him? I am... I would go ahead and say there's a really good chance. I mean, you can't. Can you downgrade from Todd Bowles, a washed up Andy Reid prodigy? Um, <clears throat> that's right, went there. Uh, but listen, so I don't know. Uh, I, I just. They need something, okay? They need an offensive minded coach, without question. 
They've had countless defensive-minded coaches that have not been able to get it done. They've had Rex Ryan, heavy defensive-minded coach, couldn't really do anything. Todd Bowles, defensive-minded coach, couldn't really do anything. And by the way, their defenses were not like phenomenal. You had a couple good years. You had a couple good years in in, in the at, in New York at the Jets when you had Rex Ryan and Mike Pettin, both defensive-minded people, obviously working for the same cause. When you were up there, obviously, but again, you had Darrell Revis. You had DRC. You had you had pieces on that defense that were fantastic. And now, you know, Muhammad Wilkerson, I mean, you had good pieces on that Jets defense. I, I You need an offensive-minded coach. Mike McCarthy fits the bill. He's an offensive-minded play caller. Uh, he's worked in high-pressure situations. Green Bay, obviously one of the most high-pressure jobs you can probably have as a head coach. And, you know, you come into a Jets franchise who's ailing and really needs to get some wins under their belt. They've got a very young offense, very young offense, probably the youngest offense in the league or one of them. Okay, they've also got a very young defense. Okay, so I, I think it's a good fit, and I think Mike McCarthy goes to the New York Jets for sure. So let me ask you this: Out of the five spots still open, what do you think is the best one out there? The best job to have and that's <clears throat> still available for someone who didn't hire yet. So if I'm a coach, where would I want to play? Where would I want to go? Yeah, a Cleveland for sure. Yeah, I would. I'd probably say Cleveland. Yeah, I mean, because you've got the best upside. Number one, you've got showing promise. Number two. And again, you probably got a top five youngest team in football. Without you know what I mean? Yeah, like I mean the Jets isn't bad. I'm not really attracted. Jets would be a second. To Jets would be second. Cincinnati to me. or Miami. Neither good. Um, nope. Cleveland's great, and I'm leaving one out. But it must not be important if I can't remember the. <laughs> it can't be important. Right, but you know Cleveland seems like the. I just don't know who's going there. Then you know what I mean. I'm deathly afraid because you see some of the names connected to them that they're just gonna pick like a coach from the recycling bin who didn't do anything when he was a former head coach and then they're going to try to you know recycle him and hope it works in Cleveland or they're going to go with you know they need someone with star power someone offensively minded who's going to help not that he really needs it but help groom Baker Mayfield and stuff like that so and it doesn't look like there's going to be a college coach Cliff Kingsbury came out of nowhere but he might be the only college coach that comes to the ranks to be a head coach um so I don't know if you – I don't see Adam Gase going there, but I'm trying to think of offensive-minded coaches that could go there. But I definitely think Cleveland is the best spot there that's still available. I, I don't – I don't hate – I'm going to tell you right now. I don't hate Adam Gase going there. I really don't. You know, I, I think he's in the kitchen. You know what I mean? I think he's in the kitchen for the job. Um, I, I don't know. I heard, uh, you know, Kevin uh, – uh, uh, Stefanski, Kevin Stefanski from Baltimore. Uh, I, I heard he's in the mix too. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. You've got uh, who's the internal guy that they have? They have an internal guy. Sure, they do. Uh, who the hell's that guy? Jesus Christ! You're beating off underneath the desk. Yeah, I'm, I'm like smacking <laughs> my uh, like. Come on. Um, you really want to know who that internal guy is, like? Who who took who took over? Kitchens? Freddie Kitchens? Oh, in Cleveland? Yeah, yeah. No, it was uh, Williams from the New Orleans defensive coordinator that went to Cleveland and took over. He was the defensive coordinator in Cleveland before Hugh Jackson got fired. Greg Williams. Where am I getting? Where am I getting Freddie Kitchens? Anyway, but 
it's, they need an offensive mind. They need someone for the quarterback, which Adam Gase fits the bill. I just don't know if he's going to go to Cleveland, be able to compete after he didn't have the greatest time with what was quoted as Tannehill's attitudes down in Miami. And Baker's just very strong-willed, you know, speaks his mind and stuff like that. I don't know if that fits with Adam Gase in Cleveland. That's the only reason I say that. Um, I think he needs more of a, you know, young hot gun coach who, you know, has the same kind of mindset or an experienced coach, which is going to be, he's going to be like, Hey, this is the way you do it. I can get you there. Da, 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 da. I think, I don't know if Adam Gase really fits the Cleveland role. I do like though that they, um, Bruce Arians has already hired Todd Bowles as his defensive coordinator in Tampa though. Um, you can continue to look for that. You know what I think is even better? Dirk Cotter being the offensive coordinator in Atlanta. I think that's a great matchup. I think that's going to be fantastic. I think they're going to do really good things down there. Again, agree to disagree. I mean, the way it's going, I eight times out of ten, I've gotten the right picks. But, you know. Oh, here we go. Well, you like to beat the Andy Horse dead tree that... And, and so I, I can look at the bat board and stuff like Freddie that. Freddie Kitchens is their offensive coordinator in Cleveland. Okay. That's what he does. He's the offensive coordinator. He's the he's the front runner right now for the Cleveland job. Makes no sense to me. I'm agreeing with you a thousand percent. Back 100%. to the news. So before I go into the next big no- news, I want to break it up with a little bit of small news. Dwayne Haskins is declared for the NFL draft. I say that because Ooh. it's not a really big offensive or skill position draft class. He's one of the few big names out there. There will be a team that takes a higher chance on him than maybe he's ranked, but it's news worth note. Okay, so um, I'm getting the we have a lot to cover in a small amount of time from Drew. Um, so we're going to move this on a little bit. Drew, I want to ask you something. So I'm going to give you a couple names. And I want you to tell me who has the most postseason wins among these quarterbacks. Ready? The most postseason wins among these quarterbacks? That I'm about to list. Am I supposed to guess yes. who has the most? I'm super excited. Let's Kirk Cousins, Carson Wentz, Matt Stafford. Andy Dalton, Derek Carr, Dak Prescott. The most postseason wins yes. among those quarterbacks. Well, I know it's not Andy Dalton because he has none. Um, <clears throat> who else did you name? Cousins. Cousins m- might have two or Wentz. three. Okay, Wentz has one. Stafford. Uh, question Derek mark. Carr. Uh, maybe one. And Dak. Now with this most recent one has two, I think. How many does Dak have? Hit me with that one. Just hit me with that number. Why? Does he have two or three? Wait, postseason wins? Yeah. Dak has one. Oh, this was his only one? Mm-hmm. Oh, he was out last year, I guess. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say, sadly, Kirk Cousins. Wait. Dak. It's Dak. Dak. Dak has the most postseason wins out of all those quarterbacks. And you know who they, they all trail? Interesting. Blake Bortles. <laughs> <laughs> that laugh was genuine because you weren't expecting yeah, That was my Blake Bortles laugh. That will happen every single time. I was so wrong on all of those. I'm very shocked at myself. All right. That was a little bit of fun. Going to the next big news. And maybe it's not big news. It's not like the coaches. But I want to talk about it. Going back to the Antonio Brown news. And you can tell I'm psyched. Oh, yeah. Antonio me. Brown. Ugh. It came out, and it was from James Jones on NFL Network. He said he reached out to some of his sources because he's a former player and stuff like that. That big news that is not shocking, Big Ben's a douchebag. Because from what I understand is... No! You know, everything going on with the Antonio Brown thing, and yes, you know, he's being kind of dramatic, and maybe he's not happy there. But 
that Big Ben would do certain things that I really can't blame him for being upset with. Like, he apparently, you know, he was being told in meetings that Roethlisberger would take shots at Antonio Brown. Like, I don't have to throw you the ball. And, like, in that Wednesday practice where apparently there's that argument and, like, the ball thrown that um, Antonio Brown ran the wrong route when he went back to the huddle, Big Ben threw the ball on the ground and said, get him out of here, get somebody else in there. And that's when A.B. snapped and stuff like that. So, and then, but wow. what annoys me the most is that it, this, does, this isn't shocking to me. This is the same Big Ben who was accused of rape. This is the same Big Ben who crashed his motorcycle. Twice. Okay. And then, and whenever something does happen that has to do with him, he's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. That's news to me and shit like that. And if that's really the case, even though, Antonio Brown is, uh, isn't necessarily isn't handling it well, okay? I can understand where he's coming from on top of the fact that they can't get anywhere when they have that much talent on the team, on top of the fact that if Mike Tomlin is settled, is you know always siding with his quarterback in Big Ben, I would be frustrated as fuck too. You know what I mean? I would annoy the shit out of me. I would be like, like listen. <clears throat> uh, sorry, I'm, no, probably, I'm frustrated too. I, to me, it just comes down to the fact of this, right? I, I don't like, okay, I've said it before, okay? I don't like the way Antonio Brown acts no matter what. He took a couple hiatuses. Big, Big Ben is probably, if we're looking at a, a shit, Big Ben, Antonio Brown is the prettier pig, okay? <laughs> like, that's I like how the I'm way doing you put this. that, okay. Like, he's the prettier okay. pig, all right? He's the tallest fucking midget, all right, in all of this, all right? Nothing gets midget. The midget community is very one near and dear to my heart. I enjoy small people. Okay, so at any rate, here's the deal, right? I also enjoy pigs. Um, but anyway, like I, I don't, Antonio Brown is the better player at the respective position without question. So like, if I just don't know how you take such a hard stance with a guy who is on a downward spiral big time, he's not even in our top 15 in quarterbacks in the fucking league. Okay. There's only 36 teams. So I mean like (laughs) 32 32 32, I'm sorry. 32 teams. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. There's only 32 teams. So, like, he's fucking total poop, and he, he just eats, like, monster butthole. And speaking of monster butthole, Rachel, how do you feel about the situation? Okay, I have something, like, totally different. Go ahead. It's about Antonio Brown. Go ahead. Oh, I'm so excited. So, I was listening Segway. to the radio the other day, and... Was it us? No. Oh, they were talking sucked, about then. Antonio Brown. So, there's this new TV show called The Masked, Masked Singer. Singer. Yeah. Yes. Did you hear about this? I've seen him. This is all you. Let's do it. This is all you. Let's do it. Okay, so I was just listening, and yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's this, it's this uh, singing competition, but they have, and they have a series of um, contestants. I think it's like twelve altogether, and every week or so, like every episode, there's two that compete against each other, and they're all dressed up in costumes, and you'd think it'd be you know, actors and uh, famous singers, you know, popular people like that. Well, it literally could be anybody. And one of the known person, like, people on there is Antonio Brown. And he was the only one that was guest so far. But they literally are dressed up in, like, what what does it say? Like, a lion costume, a hippo, peacock, and unicorn. And they're in these big, like, bulky masks, and they dance and, like, sing together. She's on the right track. I've seen the episode. Basically what yeah. it is is that... They take famous people, whether actors, whatever, 
dress them up so no one knows who they are. Mm-hmm. They perform, and then the judges have to try and guess who they are. Yeah, they have to guess them by uh, who the they voice. Who Yeah, and, and it could be anybody, like anybody, but the, I think they're all famous. Yeah, and basically, okay. but legit, the one like, famous who for has anything. the worst performance as voted on during that episode has to reveal themselves. Yeah. Got it. And the very first episode, Hippo lost. And that and was Antonio Brown. It was Antonio yeah. Brown. Um, but on the radio, so they were saying... So footballs is the idea here. Yeah, and the one guy on the radio was... Um, they were all saying how, like, you know, you'd, you'd assume that the people would be all singers and actors, like, but they were so, like, totally shocked that it was Antonio Brown because he's a football player, so they were like... Well, I think the point Rachel's trying to come up with here, and I agree with her, and I'm glad she brought it up, is because all this drama's going on, he missed all that time, then didn't play Week 17, but he had time to perform oh, on the Mass Singer but... Showcase... <laughs> The Mass Singer Showcase. No, no, go with it. Yeah, that was yeah, where you were. I'm trying to help yeah, okay, you yes, out yeah. here, Rachel. Um, <laughs> that, but he had the time with all that going on to be a masked singer for a new show and perform as a singing hippo. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, listen, maybe if you got him on a team, now, looking at all this, maybe if you got him on a team where he felt more respected, maybe things are different with Antonio Brown. Who knows? Maybe if you if he goes to a team with an animal logo, that he'll feel more at home. A hippo. Um, right? Um, I don't think there's any hippo teams, but we'll try to there find are the closest not. There fit. is a Jaguar team. Antonio right? is his own he could, hippo team now. Right? He could go to the Jacksonville Jaguars where he would have no quarterback to throw him the football. Not yet. Um, but no, like I just wanted to bring that up. And a quick segue before we continue because I know we don't have yeah, too much roll. time. Okay. Um, you, we were talking about how his cap hit, about moving him and stuff like that. Correct. Apparently, the Steelers are not worried about it because even though there would be a $21 million cap hit, they don't see it as a big deal considering Bell not playing and then most likely losing him will give them a 14 and a half cap credit for next season. So the idea of them losing six and a so half mil deals half is not a big deal to them if they're going to get stuff in, in return. return. That makes perfect sense. <clears throat> That makes perfect. Hey, uh, Brian Gutekast, go grab us some Antonio Brown and let's fucking dominate the league. You like that little... The infamous, that by the way, that's the infamous Johnny Manziel text to uh, the at-time uh, offensive coordinator in uh, Cleveland. Actually, who I think might have been Kyle Shanahan, ironically enough. It might have been a Shanahan in Cleveland as the offensive coordinator. I love how when we're doing news, we randomly will just throw in like useless tidbits of information Correct. that might that interest was one the of viewers, but might not. Um, By the way, while I was while I was said that it, that interesting thing, I threw up the money sign. I threw up the man's on money sign. I still do that. I do doing? enjoy that. Um, <laughs> I was wondering what you were right. doing. Two small things, and then I want to do a game, and then we're going to talk the matchups, and that's it. Yeah, yeah, okay? yeah. We got to rush. So, do it. There was drama with Von Miller, the fact that John Elway came out and said there's a possible, you know, he's open to any possible Von trade because he thinks Von Miller can play better and they have to look at all possibilities, which then Von Miller's mom reacted to and called him out saying he, you know, he can't give themselves a quarterback and that's why they're not winning. And I kind of understand because Von Miller had 14, 14 and a half sacks this year. Respect. The problem wasn't pass rush. The problem wasn't defense so much. It was the offense and the fact that a former Super Bowl MVP at quarterback can't get anyone in there. So, I don't know if you have any say about this. I kind of agree with Vaughn's mom. Maybe it's also partially because I'm an Aggie. Um, but Vaughn hasn't done anything. Sure, if you want to trade him to get a haul back to reload, whatever, Dallas will take him. But you know what I mean? Huh. But I, the fact of saying that he has to play better, 
I think he's ridiculous. Yeah, I don't agree that he has to play better, but I do agree that he should be open to trading him. He should be open to opportunities. I mean, listen, I, you know, I'm a firm believer in my own life that everything I have, everything I own is for sale. It's just if you want to pay the price or not, right? Yeah. And I think that's the same way in the NFL, right? Like, I'll listen not to all you. offers. Jesus. You know, I might um, never agree with it, but, you know... Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't hurt to listen. I, I'm cool with Elway's mentality because what that tells me is that John Elway's being a better GM than I anticipated him to be, of course. And, uh, you know, I, obviously he's got Super Bowl, so that's that. But I, I think that uh, he's re- he's detaching himself a little bit, which is good. I think he should, and I'm not mad about the statement. Quick thing, and so it's proof on the air. Kevin texted me saying that if I'm still here to grab your $4 from the Dynasty League while I'm here. Ah, okay. Correct. Yeah, I'll do All that. Right, so that's on air. Um, all right, so quick thing. We talked about this a little bit off air. There's been rumors and reasons that we could talk about any one of these receivers being moved. What are the chances, and do you think A.B., Julio, Green, or OBJ are with different teams next season? And how many do you think that's a chance for? I think half of them. So you think two go? I think two go, and I think it makes a lot of sense that that happens. Okay, which two? I think that OBJ stays, just to go over this really quick, I think OBJ stays. I think Julio Jones stays. I think so obviously the two left are are the two that go. So I think Antonio Brown could be with another team, especially because the Steelers are doing math to justify the trade. So um, I I think that – I think he goes – um, yeah, quote-unquote math. Um, I think he goes, and uh, I hope to God A.J. Green goes. So I think those are the two people you see Gary Riff. Reason why, coming in – uh, so obviously both of those places, uh, you know, you've got uh, well, not really, but you've got Cincinnati going to be going through a head coaching change. Probably going to mix things up a little bit. Red Rocket probably gone. I think you probably want to rebuild a little bit. I don't know that AJ Green's part of your rebuild. Uh, you know, I, I think AJ Green's going to be thirty. 31. Uh, yeah, he's going to be thirty, thirty-one. I think you want to let him go. He's going to have a big part of your cap hit. I think you move on a little bit right there. Um, <clears throat> Antonio Brown. There's a lot of controversy again. Big Ben. You don't know if he's going to be there. If the team's siding with him as much as they say he is, he's potentially requesting a trade. He wants to get out of there. You're paying him a lot of money. To maybe not be the guy. You got Juju coming up strong. I think you move on from him. I think you're rebuilding a little bit. I don't think Antonio Brown's part of your solution necessarily there either. It wouldn't surprise me if all of them got moved or none of them got moved. Um, I think you can make a case for all of them. I do think AB and Green are the two you can make the biggest cases for. I would love to see AJ Green and Indy. Um, I, think Ooh! Would, I think that would be great. Ooh, um, that'd be savage. What a one-two punch. Put him with the playoff team. Andrew yo, Luck, yo, check this out. Check this side. out. Ready? Check out the craziest offseason move ever. Okay? So, uh, just super fast. Uh, I think the Colts have the third or uh, second or third, maybe highest cap space left. Okay, right, available. Yeah, they were top uh, five. Yeah. So now imagine this, right? Imagine Le'Veon Bell going to the Colts and AJ Green going to the Colts. They would still have no defense, but man, would it be fucking fun to watch? They have a solid defense, and I think it'll grow, and I think they'll add pieces. Again, I don't really know how I feel about Le'Veon. We'll see if that ever happens. I do love the idea of AJ. He's Green, a douche, though. but fuck, he's talented. All right. Last thing before we get into this weekend's games, and this is what I was talking about. I want your opinion. I was, I was seeing this myself. Okay, so hypothetically, for all I you love, Eagle fans I love out hypotheticals. there, okay, if Nick Foles and runs the table and wins the Super Bowl again, hmm. is he a Hall of Famer? Ooh. And I'll let you answer this before I back it up with certain things and get into it. Absolutely not. Okay. Why? Because there are a lot of people way more deserving of being in the Hall of Fame than Nick Foles. Sure. 
it took somebody with five rings like 25 years uh, to get into the Hall of Fame. Uh, I don't think Nick Foles is the guy. I, I bring this up because, sure, you can make the argument that court, there's, there's very trash quarterbacks that have won a Super Bowl because they are part of a good team. Okay? But if he wins again, it'd be two. All right. Now, granted, I, I'm not saying I, I don't. I think if he moves on from the Eagles, which I think is likely, um, that he's going to have a good year. I think he maybe could be a solid quarterback in other places, but I think he excels in Philly because of the scheme and the fit and stuff like that. So, I don't think he'll have any stats. I don't think he'll have any records. I don't think he'll set the world on fire to eventually make the Hall of Fame. But unlike quarterbacks who maybe win one with a part of another team. Every quarterback except one in the history of the NFL who has multiple Super Bowls by starting is in the Hall of Fame. And I'm going to go down the list really quick. Tom Brady, he has five. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. No question. Okay. Terry Bradshaw, four. Hall of Famer currently. Joe Montana. Hall of Famer. Four. Aikman, Hall three. Of Famer. The rest are twos. Bart Starr. Hall of Famer. Bob Greasy. Hall of Famer. Roger Staubach. Hall of Famer. John Elway. Hall of Famer. Big Ben. Mmm. He'll Un- be in it. Uh, we'll see. Okay. Uh, Peyton Manning. Yep. Eli Manning. Mmm. Okay. I bet money that both Big Ben and Eli Manning make it. Whether I think they deserve it or not, I think they'll definitely be in. Maybe Ooh. not first ballots, but they'll be in. Okay. The only one to not do it and I mean, his stats were atrocious, which maybe that'll be Nick Foles. But it's Jim Plunkett. Okay. But uh, when it comes to winning multiple <clears throat> Super Bowls, even though it's a team thing, it's like, I, this guy won two Super Bowls. And with the history and the playmaking around it, even if it's not all Nick Foles, the legend that'll go with it, do you think there stands a chance that one day... If he wins this year's Super Bowl, that one day down the road, he's in the Hall of Fame for it. I sure as hell hope not. Um, I'm a numbers guy traditionally, and I weigh on that. But no. Nick Foles is not going to the Hall of Fame. Unless he has has post-Eagles success, I don't think he goes into the Hall of Fame. If they move on from him, right? Listen, I'm going to tell you right now. I think they will. I, I don't. You know, I, I'm going to disagree with you. They've come out and I'm said that disagree. they will, but I know, we'll see. I know. It's fucking psychotic. It's though. not, though. All right, whatever. You, you can make your case. I'm not going to stop you from making your no, case. No, I made because my case made. last week. I made my case last week that there's a chance, okay? I didn't say they're going to do it. But I said that there's a chance that you're insane if you're not, if you're the Eagles front office and you say, yeah, this guy won us two Super Bowls and that's cool. And we got Carson Wentz, who is the next Tony Romo potentially to the NFL. Uh, you know, I'm not seeing it. I, I'm just, I'm not seeing how you don't literally sit down and at least have somebody somewhere in the franchise allow to take an hour out of your day to make the argument why you might want to stay with Nick Foles. I, I just, I, I think that you're insane if you don't have that person, that quarterback coach or whoever, right, allow to sit down and talk to you. To make the argument as to why maybe you don't stay with Nick Foles. That's all I'm saying. Listen, anything is possible, right? Anything is possible. Uh, I think the fact that you have an argument and that you compare. How dare you? How dare you 
compare Carson Wentz to Tony Romo. I don't know where you see the comparisons. The talent level Carson Wentz has is well beyond anything that Tony Romo started out with. Tony Romo, love the guy, will support the guy no matter what. Other Cowboy fans know that, even if they don't like him. But Tony Romo had to earn and get better every year, and is just a different quarterback. How dare you compare Carson Wentz to Tony Romo? God, <coughs> I'm turning into an Eagles fan. No, I'm not. All right, moving on to this weekend's games. Whoa, okay. holy shit. Moving on to this weekend's games. First matchup, same thing as last year. I want a winner. I want to score, and then we'll do the over-under and see what we think there. First matchup, Saturday, 4.30, Colts at Chiefs. <laughs> what do you got? Colts win. Colts win. 100%. You feel very confident No question. In that. Okay. Yep. What's the score? Uh, by the way, I just think so because they're going up against an inferior defense, and uh, they have no playoff experience at all on that side of the football. So um, <clears throat> aside from, I mean, if you want to count Andy Reid as playoff experience, but if you do, that gives the Colts a better chance to win. So anyway, so um, <clears throat> here's the deal. I think that score is going to be Colts 20. You know what? Colts 32. Ooh, okay. How's the math get me there? <laughs> You're like, how am I getting to 32? Yeah, that's totally possible. Yeah, 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 I'm good with that. I'm good with 32. We got to on th- we would need. Yeah, that's that's doable. I would need three touchdowns to field field. All right, all right, no okay. doing math. Um, Come on. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Colts over 30, 32. Low 30s, 31 is, is probably Chiefs. I'm gonna go Colts 30. Colts 30, Chiefs. Hmm. 24. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm also taking the Colts. I am also taking the Colts. I think matchup-wise, Andrew Luck, as long as they don't panic for any reason, because he's not going to have to, okay, they'll be able, the offensive line was going to give no pressure to Andrew Luck, because Andrew Luck should be able to stand back there and decide when he wants to throw the ball after his deep tissue massage and getting spotted. Okay, he's calm down. He's gonna have that much time in the backfield. Okay, he's gonna be able to make plays. They're gonna put up points. Kansas City is gonna put up points. Andy's defense is good. Andy's defense is good. I think they'll be able to limit some players. Not the whole game, but enough that you know Kansas City's not going down every time and scoring. Um, so I'm taking Indy. Twenty-eight, Chiefs, twenty-seven. Oh, literally wow. that One? close. Ouchies. Um, the Chiefs are being given, or you know, the Colts are being given five and a half points. That's what the Chiefs are favored by, with the over under being fifty seven. So I have the, I have it just being under twenty eight twenty seven, and of course not covering the spread. Um, or the Colts covering the spread. My bad. Next game Saturday at eight fifteen. Cowboys at Rams. The Rams or the Cowboys are going to be get, being given seven points. Okay, Safety. and the over and under are 49 and a half. What do you got? Huh. Huh. Oh, boy. Um, I've got the Rams winning for sure. I mean, no question. Ooh, okay. I think that score is going to be the Rams are going to win. It's going to be 38. Wow. 21 at best. You're ridiculous. God damn it. Okay. Um, I'm going to go the over. Okay. And I'm going to take the Cowboys. Huh. 
What a fanboy pick. No, because I can, I can, I'll make arguments for it. 31-24. Okay? Wow. So you think the Cowboys... Just I just want to be super go quick ahead. here. Yeah. You think the Cowboys are going to put up over 30 points against the Saint... Or the L.A., sorry. The L.A. Rams in L.A. Yes. You're and insane. I have plenty of things to support Go all ahead. facets of this Please game. The defense do. is, like you already pointed Please out, the top do. five runs, rush defense. Todd Gurley has not put up stats and or played the past three to four weeks. Okay. okay. They're coming off a bye. They're playing in L.A., which is a glorified cowboy zone. There will be just as many, if not more, cowboy fans at the Coliseum mm-hmm. than L.A. fans. Okay. They're going to rush to the ball. Gurley's not going to be able to do much. He'll still probably, he, I, I still expect him to have a solid game, probably get a touchdown, probably flirt with 100 yards rushing, and have a couple catches, but not anything huge in the passing game. I think they'll get after Jared Goff. Flip side, okay, I expect, this, this is the, the biggest matchup that scares me the most is Aaron Donald against the interior of the Cowboys line. Okay, it's gonna be nice. That scares the shit out of me. It's gonna be nice. Okay, but overall, the Cowboys line can block. Okay, that defense is underperforming for LA. They're not playing to the level they should with all the talent there. Okay, Zeke will get his yardage in passing and receiving. It's not gonna be enough, but I think again, Zeke getting his yardage, Cooper being a threat. Is gonna take stuff away from Dak. Dak will have time, and as long as he's not having a fucking brain freeze, like he had too much fucking, fucking slushy. Okay. Too much slushy, Dak. It took me a second there because I had a brain freeze. Dak, we'll be able to perform. Slushy. The defense will limit the Rams. They're still gonna put up points, but the defense is only allowing right around twenty points. I think the Rams get twenty-four, but the but the Cowboys from defense and offense. We'll put up the points and win the game. I might be a little high on the Cowboys score. I'm not going to argue that. But I still do expect the Cowboys to win, and I, I, I think they'll win. So I think you're completely insane. Well, that's fine because you didn't give them a chance last week, and then you think they're going to lose by 14 points at oh, least. yes, considerably. Uh, so do you want to make a bet on that? <clears throat> I uh, that the that they lose by and Rachel picks up her pen for the bet board. We, we can we so, can work it out a little bit here. Do so you hold want on. to bet whether they lose by double digit points? Yes. Okay. I bet you by at least ten points. Screw the spread. Okay. Raw okay. raw score. I guarantee you that the LA Rams win that game by at least ten points. And I'll add a caveat to my bet that they score at least over thirty to do it. Okay. Well, caveat or not, I will take the bet. Okay. okay. So no caveat, just 10 points. That's fine. Okay, fair. You think the Rams uh-huh. will win 100%. by double-digit points. Absolutely. And <clears throat> I i mean, I have the Cowboys winning, but I disagree. I think they either win or... They, but, how, if, but you're giving if, the Rams they, like 20-some points. If they lose, okay, it'll be by dig- single digits. It's going to be a close game. You know that the Rams have never scored, never Scored under 30 points at home ever, I don't think, in the Sean well, McVay era. Well, this the first season, um, and yes, they're a high-powered offense, but you're talking about the end of the season where they weren't putting up huge points. They only played once or twice at home there. I lied, by the way. They did twice. I just did some quick okay. math. And so they're not playing as good as they were at the beginning of the season. Todd Gurley wasn't performing. They're going to a place that, yeah, it's technically home, but isn't going to be really like a home game for them against probably the best defense they're seeing outside of the Bears this season. 
Okay. 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 Yeah, I, I, I think you're completely insane. That's fine, but you've thought that before and we're wrong. So we'll see what happens next They episode. average, quick math, they average about 38 points at home. 38 points a game at home. And you're bringing them into the playoffs. Against Which the, they have against... no experience at a place where it's not going to be a true home game. Okay. And they're obviously not the no best experience. Defense okay. outside of the Bears. Okay. Like, what are, what are they going to be able it. to do on offense to perform? Okay. So you have Todd Gurley coming back. Okay. Okay. Who, again, the last three, four weeks either hasn't played or not performed. Okay. And I, I'm with you. I'm not. I'm, I'm with you that. Okay. So Rachel's right. right. Rachel's we, right. We have to keep up. going. We've got to speak. Okay. Up. Next game. You're insane. Sunday, oh. 1 o'clock. Chargers at Patriots. Over under 46 points. Chargers are be giving, being given four points. Okay. I'm taking the over um, for sure. And the Chargers are winning that game. <clears throat> What's the score? The score is going to be 30 to 27. Wow. Okay. Uh, I'm going a different way with you than on this game. I'm going the Chargers. Okay, I'm taking the under, okay, hmm. um, and so I have the Chargers winning 27-17. Wow, you think the Chargers beat the Patriots, who are playing at home I don't by think, 10 points? I think, at most, the, ch- the Chargers win 27-24. I think the Patriots score right in that 17-24 range, so one score wow. difference. So, but, but hold on, you, you're 10 points. You're 10-point difference right now. 10-point, yeah. Right I, now. I don't think, I, I would be interested in the stat. I'm pointing at Rachel like she's Dustin here for a second, <laughs> looking to look something up, but that's not going to happen. But I think that, I don't think Bill Belichick has ever lost at home in the playoffs by a 10-point differential. You're probably right. I'm not 100% sure, but I would argue that you're right. Okay. I don't think it happens to the San Diego Chargers. That's oh, crazy. yeah. I, I, I agree. I, I mean, like I said, I'm not saying it's definitely a double-digit thing. I don't feel confident in saying they win by double digits. Just the way I feel right now, it could be a three-point game or a 10-point game. But I think fair. they don't score more than 24, and they get at least 17. Okay, fair. Last game, 440 Sunday, Eagles at Saints. Eagles are being given eight points. The over-under set at 50 and a half. Oof, crazy, right? What do you got? I have got uh, Saints for sure. Okay, Saints for sure. You seem confident like, like oh, that. This is, how, this is how confident. Shit's about to get crazy, okay? Score, predicted score. I'm going to go the Eagles score first because I think it's funnier. Okay. The Eagles are going to score probably 27-ish. More than I thought you would okay. give them. 20, 24 to 27 points. I'm giving the Eagles. Saints, 41. Wow. Okay. And Any reason to back that up or no? You just want me to go? Oh, absolutely. You can just go, but I think it's – here's the fact. Saints are looking for a little bit of redemption. They're at home. Shit is going to be fucking crazy. The, the offense is going to be clicking on all cylinders. Drew Brees is on the redemption tour for sure. He's owed another Super Bowl. This is going to be it. The last time, by the way, the Saints came in with similar stats on similar seasons. Obviously, they won the Super Bowl that year. So I think this is the year for the Saints. I don't think the Eagles and the Nick Foles-powered offense is going to be even be able to come close this time around. And uh, I have got the Saints winning that game big time. Okay. Um, this was not my hardest game to pick, honestly. Um, 
I do think it goes over the 50 and a half. I, I have it being 57 points they score. Um, I have it Eagles, 27. Saints, 30. I do have the Saints winning. Okay. I did really, I really thought about the Eagles. Like I said, I'm higher on them. And the Saints give me worry because they have not been producing points the last couple of weeks of the season, and now they're coming off a bye. Okay. uh, Drew Brees is the biggest tease. Okay. Um, Signs point that them being at home and them being the traditional, if they played like they did most of the season, they should win. They played earlier in the season and destroyed the Eagles. But these aren't the same two teams. Philly's got the playoff magic. Okay. They have the experience. Saints aren't playing up to the level they were at the beginning of the season. I think it's a closer game. So I do have the Saints winning, but not covering the spread. Those are my picks. Any departing shots? Listen, no, I'm with you. Uh, I think that's really all I got. Rachel, what do you have? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Okay. Well, as always, shout out to my cousins Addison, Autumn, Ashlyn. And, guys, there's always room on the couch for you. We hope you enjoy this round of the playoffs like we will. And we'll see you next week. Hey, wait, wait, wait. Weren't you supposed to talk about uh, Zach Ertz beating Jason Witten's reception record? Something about him having more catches and breaking his record this season. I don't care, though. Tune in next time and score some points with the Couch Coaches.